Hi, I'm Claire Chiapetta. Welcome to the Cactex Media Podcast. Joining us is Daniel Ringhauser. Daniel serves on the Public Education Committee with the North Central Texas Council of Governments and is heading up a campaign to promote knowwhattodo.com, a website that provides information on preparing for disasters. You can learn tips on how to make a hazard plan and build an emergency supply kit. Daniel is also the Assistant Emergency Manager Coordinator for the City of Grand Prairie, Texas. Welcome, Daniel Ringhauser, to the Cactex Media Podcast. It's great to see you here today. Great to be here. Come out in a little bit of rain today, huh? Yeah, it's going to be <laughs> raining all week. Yes. So, Daniel, what is the North Central Texas Council of Governments, and what does it do? The North Central Texas Council of Governments, or I'll just refer to it as the COG, uh, make it a little bit easier for us, is a voluntary association of local governments that was established to assist locals in planning for like common needs and coordination for regional development and regional type projects. So it's really meant to strengthen the relationship and coordination between local jurisdictions, counties, special districts like school districts, and different stuff like that. Now, the North Central Texas uh, COG has covers 16 different counties in uh, North Texas. So the main hub, obviously, is here in, in the DFW Metroplex, but it goes all the way out east and west and north and south of us. Um, there's over 230 members. And everybody who is a part of the COG will pay annual dues into it. So the COG is really made up of all of these jurisdictions and special districts um, into it. So a lot of people think the COG is is its standalone entity that kind of resides over jurisdictions. That's not the case. It's actually made up of these local jurisdictions. And the interesting part about this is, you know, talk about your role because you do have a full-time job with one of the cities here in North Central Texas. I do, yes. So I'm the Assistant Emergency Management Coordinator for the City of Grand Prairie. And so we pay dues into the Emergency Preparedness Program for the COG. So the COG has a couple different departments, Emergency Preparedness, Transportation, uh, Aging Services, Economic Development, and a few other ones. And we pay our dues into the Emergency Preparedness one. Now, within Emergency Preparedness, we have a number of different committees that make up this department. So specifically, I'm the chair of the Public Education Committee, and we try to take a regional approach to helping people prepare for disasters. So that could be making programs for people. Um, It could be purchasing materials for local emergency managers to help start their programs, presentations. I mean, you name it, we we try to hit some of those stuff. Yeah, and it sounds like, um, you know, you have been busy lately, right? Yeah. Because of the pandemic and so much uh, happening here. We had a major tornado in 2019 that took out, you know, an area of a very residential section of Dallas. So, um, you know, I'm sure your committee has, you know, really uh, seen the need to to really have people prepared. You guys came up with this idea and it's, you branded it Know What to Do. It's a project. There is a website out there that you can visit. It's knowwhattodo.com, but it's got mm-hmm. a little twist because the know what to do, that share of the W. So it's K-N-O-W-H-A-T, then the number two, D-O.com. Yeah. A little tricky there. But why did you guys come up with that uh, campaign? And, and tell me a little bit about it. Yeah, so the Know What to Do program and campaign initiative, whatever you want to call it, um, is our attempt to regionalize and kind of um, have a, a single lesson plan for public education and disaster preparedness. 
So if you live in Fort Worth and I live in Grand Prairie and I go see the Grand Prairie Emergency Manager present and they say, well, you should only have two cans of food in your preparedness kit. And you go see the Fort Worth Emergency Manager, they say you should have three cans in your preparedness kit. We meet up. Now we're going to start bickering back and forth on how many cans should we have. And that's not the point, right? We just want you to be prepared for disasters. So the note to do campaign is our attempt to just regionalize public education and push out the same message, give out the same materials across it, have the same look, right? So anybody in the world can visit the note to do website, which is by far one of our most successful uh, programs that we have, public education committee. It's a website that's won awards. It's a website that people all across the world, not just North Texas, have viewed and have used our materials. And there's a number of different things that we have on there. So you can learn, just go on there and just simply learn about, uh, you know, how to prepare, how to recover from disasters. You can go on there and make your own kit or make your own plan. We walk you through step-by-step how to do it, and you can print it out at the very end. Super easy. You can even play interactive games with kids on there. We really try to take as much as we possibly can and put it on that website for you. Your role in this was really, you're now the manager. You you can define it, your role. Yeah, so um, the committee every year votes on a chair and co-chair uh, to kind of lead the group and in, in where we're going to go. And so I was just recently elected as the chair of the public education committee and before I was the co-chair. So we've really tried to step up branching out into the community and trying to get this information out to people simply because we're in a time where it seems like every other day there's a new disaster, right? We even had disasters within disasters. We had the snowstorm in the middle of COVID. I mean, people's attention are on disasters right now. We have to capitalize on that and show people that it's easy to prepare for disasters. It's really not that difficult. Yeah, it's just been amazing here in North Texas, really the amount of different (laughs) You know, I, I don't know. I guess we you call them disasters. Um, when you live with them, you, you want a stronger word yeah. than that, right? <laughs> but it has been sort of astounding what we've gone through just in the last three years. Again, that tornado that went right through the center of Dallas uh, and then the storms. And, you know, it used to be May was, uh, you know, you knew the storms were going to come in May. But now it seems like you can get really bad weather news uh, at any time of yeah. the year. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that there's actually two severe weather seasons. Now, of course, severe weather can happen any time of year, but the two most active are the springtime, uh, which we typically think of, you know, tornado season and severe weather season, which is what we're in now. But there's actually one in October, kind of in that fall time frame as well, where we see an uptick in severe weather. And we saw that in 2019 with the Dallas tornado and um, back in 2014, I think, whenever the tornado went through Garland on uh, the day after Christmas. So, you know, it's really important for people to understand that you have to prepare for the whole year and not just the time that you think a disaster is going to happen because you never know when it's going to strike. Talk a little bit about what we sh- how we should prepare and in really specifically about what kind of kits we should have at home. So I'd say the first thing and the most important thing about being prepared is you have to stay aware of what's happening around you. So I'll just use... Um, the weather as an example, since it's the most pertinent thing right now. Uh, if you know that weather's coming in or you hear on the news that there's supposed to be severe weather, you have to hone in onto that. And you have to download an app or contact your local emergency manager and see if they have a reverse notification system that you can sign up for and receive weather alerts. Because you could prepare, you can make the best kit in the world, have the number one plan that anyone's ever seen, but it doesn't matter if you don't know what's happening. So the first step is always, always, always have some way to be warned about severe weather or disaster 
um, watch the news, have an app that tells you something's happening. I mean, something so you know to, how to to start preparing and start you know getting your kit together. And then, the, and then, what's in my kit? So that really depends on how you live your life, right? So a lot of people, um, we have a general guideline of you know you want to have a gallon of water per person, you know, per day for forty eight to seventy two hours. Um, you know, canned food, flashlights, batteries, extra money, stuff like that. But your kit is going to look, is going to be different between everybody. So for example, my kit, um, I won't have as much food and water into it because if there's a disaster, I have to go into work, right? So my kit has extra clothes in there. It has a blanket and a pillow if I have to sleep in my office, some some snacks that I like, um, extra phone charger and stuff like that. Now, your kit might be a little different. If there's a disaster, you're supposed to stay home, right? So you might want to have more food, more water, more batteries, things like that. I'd say the number one thing that everybody should always put in their kit, though, uh, is a list of the medication that you take and how much you take. So now if there's a huge disaster, let's just say in the city of Grand Prairie, we have to evacuate people out of their home. Chances are that we'll be able to find food and water somewhere in the region, right? We have a pretty big pretty big reach in a pretty big region. What we can't help you do is get your medication if you don't know what medication you take. A lot of people just been taking it for years. You know, they always take this amount at this time and they completely forget what it is. So if you come to me and you say, well, I take insulin, I need insulin. Well, what kind? How many, you know, how, how much do you need to take? And if you don't know that information, then it's a whole lot harder for us to get you that help. So that's a huge thing. All your documents that you need, your driver's license, social security, just take a copy Put it in a, a sealed bag with your medication and keep that in your kit because that's going to help you out way, way more. I always wondered, Daniel, where do you keep this kit? That, that's the that's the big question, right? Because yeah. if, you know, a tornado comes through, that kit's gone. Yeah. But I'm curious where you recommend putting the kit. Sure. And this depends, too, a little bit on how you want to prepare for disasters. So a lot of people will make a kit and they'll just keep it in um, like their bathroom or, or their closet where they go for severe weather if a tornado is coming through. And that way, if they need to go in there, they can just pull out the cabinet and they can have it with them. Some people make a kit for their vehicle and their home. Some people like to keep their kit in their vehicle because maybe they travel a lot. You know, you just fit your lifestyle to how you want to prepare. So it's really not that expensive. A lot of people think that it's just really expensive. And it can be if you want to buy, you know, the top-notch generator and this and that. But if you think, if you go to the store, say, every other week, and you buy two cans of food, just extra on the side. I mean, it's only a dollar, two dollars or so that you're spending extra every time you go to the store. And you can just build your stockpile of canned goods or of water or of a battery or flashlight, whatever it may be that you want in your kit. So you can really spread those costs out throughout the year. And the hope, obviously, is you don't have to use it. But, you know, if you do, then you have all that stuff already prepared. Uh, and you don't even have to worry about it. One of the things I've noticed um, as a transplanted Northeasterner, is that I hear your message loud and clear. Um, I didn't grow up with this kind of weather patterns. So I, um, you know, I, I don't want to say I'm more aware, but I, I definitely, you know, may, may get, you know, just a little more anxious, perhaps. Yeah. I noticed North Texans really take it in stride. So I'm curious, you know, who do you have the hardest time sort of hearing that message? Do you get resistance from people who have lived here all their lives against, you know, this preparedness message? Definitely. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, I don't know 100% why 
North Texans hate preparing for disasters. I think that's probably a blanket thing across the country, across the world, that people just don't enjoy preparing for disasters. And it's scary, right? You don't want to think about a tornado ripping through your neighborhood or a flood or a terrorist attack or any of that stuff. It's definitely scary. It comes down to is that preparing for disaster, whatever disaster it may be, will save your life, your family's life. It'll make it 10 times easier to recover afterwards. Um, it's just, it, it's a no-brainer, at least to me, and I don't know why it's a no, not a no-brainer to anybody, that preparing is easy and it's going to help you out in the long term. I think in North Texas, we get what's called warning fatigue quite often. Um, whenever a storm system comes through, most of the time there's 50,000 severe thunderstorm warnings that get released for one storm just because it's so severe, you know? I mean, it's it's crazy. So um, I think people just get hung up on that. Oh, another severe thunderstorm warning. Oh, we're in a watch. Oh, you know, or tornado. It's only it's not going to hit my house and stuff like that. At the end of the day, though, it comes down to if it does hit your house, I mean, it's a big deal, you know, and you want to be prepared for that moment because, like I said before, it, it, it's going to help you to prepare now for when that disaster hits later. One of the things um, when you go to the Know What to Do website that really, um, you know, may surprise you is, yes, it's to, it tells you how to prepare for um, storms and bad weather, but talk about some of the other things that you know, we've only had to deal with, you know, really in the last 10, 20 years that have become more an issue for people, you know, living here, but also all over. Yeah. Talk, talk about the other things sure. on the site. So the Know What To Do website was built what we call an all-hazards approach. So we looked at all the different hazards that could happen in the DFW area, and we try to pick the ones that are most likely and put them on the website. So, of course, we have severe weather, and we always talk about it because it's kind of the easiest on people's mind. We also have information on there about epidemics and pandemics, how to prepare for that. Uh, we just put coronavirus information on there whenever that kicked off. We have information on there about mass violence. So see something, say something information. Um, we have information on there about house fires and hazardous materials spills. Um, I mean, we really try to cover all of the different aspects for you to learn about disasters in the North Texas area. And then once you learn about them, you can learn how to prepare for them afterwards. So we have all types of different information on there, cybersecurity, up-and-coming disasters, things like that. And it's just, it's a great resource. It's completely free, like I said before. And if there's one thing I want to emphasize today is that the website and all the resources that we have in the Public Education Committee and the Note to Do program, completely free for anyone to use. Emergency managers, local officials, teachers, parents, businesses. Uh, you know, just the regular Joe on the street, anybody can log on to this website and use all these resources for free, print them out, uh, play with the games. Uh, you can even print out the coloring book that we have, which is a very good coloring book with different activities in there. It's great for kids and stuff like that. Yeah, and we'll help parents sort of yeah. get be able to start the conversation, I think, Definitely. when you have something like that. A lot of people may not know that Dallas is listed as one of the nation's top 10 terror targets. Mm-hmm. Will you share some safety tips for us on terrorism? Yeah. Yeah, DFW is, I mean, massive. There's, you know, 7.2 million people in it, whatever. We have a lot of big cities here, and we have a lot of major attractions, right? We have DFW Airport, one of the busiest in the world. We have the stadiums in Arlington. We have, um, you know, two massive downtowns in Fort Worth and Dallas with all the different attractions there. 
when you think about it, I think it should be the number one terrorist attack because there's so much stuff here, right? That could really <laughs> let's not let's not keep, yeah. <laughs> increase our yeah. We'll keep it down that. at least yeah, try yeah, to stay at number you? ten or below. Yeah, yeah, but, exactly. Um, and emergency managers and uh, public safety officials are really working hard to limit um, or we call mitigate some of those threats that we have. So the big kind of issue that we're looking at now is what's called a complex coordinated terrorist attack. And that's some, similar to what happened in Mumbai, India, um, where you had a group of people who attacked on this side of the city and a group of people who attacked on that side of the city. So that way resources were spread out. So we're working on how can we work together as a region, right? If something happens in Grand Prairie and in Fort Worth and in Dallas at the same time, how can we work together as a region? And one of the biggest things is we need help from the citizens, right? If you see something, say something. If you think it's suspicious, report to local authorities and let them investigate, right? Don't be the determining factor of, oh, that box sitting there is is nothing, it's just trash. Report it to the police department. Have them come out and check it out just to make sure because you never know. Reporting that could save a lot of people's lives. I think that's the biggest thing uh, to prepare for uh, in a mass violence incident is you have to stay vigilant around and know if you if you just feel funny about something, just report it to the local authorities. Yeah. You know, I know people when they go into airports, they do sort of you become a little bit more aware of of, of looking for things like mm-hmm. that. But I don't think people think about it sort of walking in their everyday lives. Yeah. You know how, you know, you really can be eyes and ears for local authorities as you're as you're walking around. And yeah. if you do see something, that's a really good point. Daniel, back to the know what to do. We uh, just worked together, didn't we, on we did. preparing a PSA that we hope to get out across North Texas, uh, really letting people know about the website, letting people know about you know this team that is out there preparing for mm-hmm. any 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 disaster um, that that might happen. Talk a little bit about the PSA that we that we just worked on together. Yeah. So the Public Education Committee, um, I guess about a year ago or so at this point got together and we were trying to figure out how can we get the Know What To Do website more prominent in everybody's lives. Whenever we first launched it a while ago, we had a big spike of, inf- of uh, interest in it with people, you know, logging on and stuff. And it's kind of died down since. Uh, we've done some awesome edits. Like I said, we uh, had, um, we're adding cybersecurity information on there. We're adding recovery information and a whole bunch of other stuff, games. And we want this to be out for everybody. And so we talked about well, what if we just do a video about it, right? And then blast it out to everybody across, you know, stadiums and, you know, try to get it on the, on the news and to emergency managers to post on Facebook and, and different stuff like that. And so, you know, we talked about doing, you know, maybe in-house trying to film it with just a few of the emergency managers, but we really want it to be something special and unique that's going to last for, you know, a couple of years at least uh, that we can continuously repost and push out there. So we kind of did a soft push out to everybody on our Facebook page on Know What To Do. And we got amazing feedback so far. Everybody who's seen it has said, oh, this is awesome. It's, you know, really funny. And, you know, I've checked out the website. The website looks cool and stuff like that. So, you know, we know that the video is doing its job of getting people interested in preparing for disasters and going to the website and checking it out. And really that's all we have to do is to get people to prepare is if we can just get them on the website and they read some information, even if it's two pieces of information on if you hear outdoor warning sirens go inside, that person is now more prepared than they were before, and that's our goal of the project. So we're really hoping to push it out to a broader audience that it can just be everywhere in DFW so people you know, 
from Fort Worth all the way up to, you know, Denison are all logging on there and checking out what we have. Right. And uh, it's a public service announcement. It's 30 seconds. And Daniel is actually in it. Uh, so we uh, we decided to use humor to to kind of grab people and let them know about the Know What to Do website. So I hope you look out for it. Um, it's going to go up, I hope, soon on the mm-hmm. Know What to Do website. Right now it is on the Facebook page. And uh, you, hopefully you'll be seeing it soon in stadiums and other entities and venues across across North Texas. Yeah. Daniel, you also had a really interesting role the last year and a half, uh, maybe just last year, actually, during the pandemic. Do you want to talk about what you've been doing? And uh, I guess it's it's kind of ended, but what you did out at, uh, uh, where was it, in the in North Texas, helping people? Yeah. So, you know, like everybody, um, we weren't as prepared for a pandemic as we thought we were, you know, and nobody ever thought that this would happen. And, you know, that's always the kind of uh, I guess Achilles' heel for for um, the disaster management world, the disaster preparedness world. Is we weren't prepared for it, and uh, we started out trying to just get a grip on the different orders coming out from whether it be from the state or the federal government, the CDC, and just trying to manage all of that. Uh, and then it got to the point where places were getting shut down, so we we're trying to help businesses navigate through some of that and what they could and couldn't do, and then the mass mandate and. You know, it seemed like every day there was a new order or a new guideline coming out. We should be doing this and that. So our role at the very beginning was just try to coordinate some of that information piece and help it make it a little bit easier for everybody. Well, then about halfway through in at the beginning of May, uh, there was a huge need for COVID testing. A lot of people need to get tested for this and that, and they want to make sure they didn't have it. And we had the huge spike. So uh, we wanted to catch it early. If you had COVID, get tested immediately. Um or if you thought you had to get tested immediately, and then that way you can stay home and limit the spread. So we opened up a COVID testing site in the city of Grand Prairie. And we ran that for about eight months. That was um, a city effort for any Grand Prairie resident or anyone who worked within the city limits of Grand Prairie to get tested at our site. And that shut down, and we thought, well, that was wild. That was a long you know, couple months, but COVID was kind of starting to ramp down. Uh, and that was around Christmas time whenever we were kind of finally starting to sit back and relax. Well, then COVID vaccines started to roll out. So uh, we were tasked with opening up a COVID vaccination center, which we opened up um, at the theater at Grand Prairie in the Lone Star Park area, uh, right off of Beltline and um, I-30. And that was a four-month venture of trying to get as many people vaccinated as we possibly could, pushing out that information and, and doing that. So it has definitely been an interesting, interesting time to be in emergency management because uh, it just seems like something new will happen and we just look at each other and we go, I guess we'll figure this one out too, you know, and, yeah. and move on. And of course, there's a winter storm right in the middle of COVID, which kind of threw everything off with the vaccine site and um, just the efforts in general. So it has been a wild year to say the least. Yeah. And and Daniel, um, I think you know your site was listed as one of the top sites in the country. I mean, it was I, I'm on a Facebook page that um, when I wanted when I wanted to get the vaccine, it was very helpful, and people would talk about going to your site and how they could get in and out in six minutes. They would time yeah. themselves, yeah. and it was amazing how fast and really the processes you put in place and and how you you managed to get people in, get people out, and the great work you did. You want to talk a little bit about, you guys were recognized, right? Yeah. Um, so it was a joint effort between the city of Grand Prairie and city of Irving. 
making this vaccination site. So we knew that it was a huge task and not one city itself could do quite to the scale that we wanted to. So we have a great relationship with Irving Emergency Management and both cities have a great partnership just in general. So we decided to go in it uh, together, which I'm so glad we did because like I said, there's no possible way we could ever, ever do this uh, by ourselves. So um, we worked for probably about a month before we officially opened to try to lay out how people were going to come in and get checked in and they stop here first, sit here, this person does this and that, whatever. And we looked at every single detail because we wanted to make sure that this process was as easy for people as possible. You know, it's scary. This is a scary time, right? We, you know, people, some people are against the vaccine. Some people are a little iffy. Some people are gung-ho about it. And we try to cater to all those people and just make it as easy as possible uh, for them. And that was on the inside. And then we decided, well, we can do more people if we switch to a drive-through on the outside. So we stopped the inside operation about halfway through and switched completely to the outside operation. And we're pushing a whole lot more people through throughout the day. Um, and it was a much easier process for the residents uh, to come through and get the vaccine. But I have to say, you know, um, a lot of praise was given to the emergency management teams uh, for the work that we did. But you know, it was all on the city staff that helped us out. You know, we had um, staff members from every single department coming to the site to scribe, to check people in, um, to observe, to make sure if there's any adverse reactions that they could flag down paramedics, uh, to just flag cars into the right lane. I mean. The city staff from both Grand Prairie and Irving, it was, it was amazing. And that, you also took volunteers. I, I had read that if you volunteered for a certain amount of time, you could then jump the line and get the vaccine, and people were volunteering, and yeah. you were doing an amazing job training them. I, I read about that, again, on this Facebook page. Yeah. People were really reporting on it, mm-hmm. and, and uh, everyone was very, very impressed. So yeah. congratulations Thank on you. that. Yeah, it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I know it's, it's shut down now, um, and... I think there are other sites within Dallas that are still handling yeah. it. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, why did you choose this line of work? What What was it about um, emergency preparedness that that attracted you? So I actually fell into it kind of by accident. Um, my grandfather was a New York City firefighter. So growing up, my brother and I listened to stories about you know my grandpa running to burning buildings and you know just total awesome guy. And uh, I said, yeah, that is what I want to do when I grow up. And um, my brother said the exact same thing. He's now an Irving firefighter, so he followed the dream. My parents were very supportive of us, you know, following that dream. They just said, you have to go to college in case anything happens, you have the backup plan. So I was looking for different degree programs and universities, and I saw the emergency administration program, University of North Texas, and I said, well, that looks like firefighting. I could do that pretty easy and then just graduate and go right into firefighting. Uh, And about halfway through, I realized that I loved it. Right. I mean, just the different aspects. I get to not only deal with um, fire specific stuff, but police, public safety and citywide public safety, whether it be from public works or this and that. I get to really see it all and help everything. So um, I did an internship. I did a couple internships, actually, and every internship I went to, I loved it even more. And then I ended up getting the full time position in the city of Grand Prairie where I've been since. Terrific. Terrific. Well, again, congratulations on the amazing job you did uh, with the COVID testing and COVID vaccine uh, on-site out there at Lone Star. And uh, everyone, please go to the Know What to Do website. Uh, We really encourage you to find out information on being prepared in North Texas. And thanks again, Daniel, for being here today. I appreciate it. 